everyone, and welcome on today's episode of Coaching in Focus. I'm your host, Joseph Reck, and I am joined by Harriet Burrows, who is a manager at Gate One. How are you doing, Harriet? Hi, Joe. I'm well, thanks. How are you? Good. I'm doing really well and excited for our conversation today as well. Me too. So a little bit about Harriet uh, and the type of work that you do. So first of all, Gate One is an award-winning digital and business transformational consultancy. And talking about awards, we're here to celebrate your very recent award as well, uh, winning the Most Influential Woman in Executive Coaching and the Annual Influential Businesswoman Awards. So first things first, congratulations, Harriet. Thank you. I'm conscious it's a bit of a mouthful. So I know, I know. Well. I have to look at it to make sure that I get every single word right. <laughs> <laughs> How does it feel, you know, winning that award? Honestly, I am so humbled to have to have won the award. I, I got into coaching by working with some absolutely brilliant coaches and mm-hmm. to now be considered one of those influential coaches is a real pinch myself moment. For me, yeah. I, I do this role because I love to see the difference that it makes for other people and, and being recognised for that is amazing. So, no, really proud, really humble um, and really happy. It's brilliant. And it's inspirational as well. I think for individuals who are entering into coaching or people who perhaps are thinking about coaching as a career, it's great to see that there are awards like this out there. How did you find out about it? Was it was it a surprise? What happened? Yeah, so I got an email basically saying you've been nominated for this award. Um, can you pull together a bit of a submission? So I pulled together submissions some sort of some client testimonials, etc. But to this day, I still do not know who nominated me in the first place. So thank you to whoever <laughs> that person or, or people were. And then there was an awards panel who sort of judged the nomination. And then I found out and yeah, it was it was over the moon. Surprised, but over the moon. Well, very well deserved. Very well deserved. So let's find out a little bit more about you and a little bit more about the type of work that you do in executive and leadership coaching that has led also to you winning this award. Maybe you mentioned that you work with other coaches. Tell us a bit more about your development as an executive coach. How did that come about? Yeah, absolutely. So I sort of came into the exec coaching world by working with some executive coaches. And I was actually having some coaching myself and we were really exploring um, what is my purpose and what are my, my values. And for me, I've got three core values and that is influence, exposure and making a difference. So mm-hmm. influence is all about the ability to influence people, influence projects, programs, outcomes. Exposure is about having exposure to different types of people, different ways of thinking, different organisations, and just feeling like every day I'm learning something new. And making a difference is really feeling that what I do has a positive impact on people or or outcomes around me. And as I was exploring this with my coach, I was sort of looking at the conversation, I was thinking... I want to do what you do. How do I how do I do this? And it was a bit of a, a light bulb moment. And I started to engage and network with other coaches and really thought, you know, this is my passion. But to be honest with you, Joe, I thought it was a sort of thing that I needed to have been a director or an executive mm. in order to be taken seriously in the field. But I had some brilliant mentors that went, no, Harry, you've got the skill set, you've got the relevant experience, just go for it. Yeah, I'm not going to say it was a super easy ride. And, and if it's all right, I'll share a bit of a story. Sure, I think it's do. really powerful for people as they're embarking on this journey. So I was about 
three months into my coaching qualification and I um, was studying in every sort of spare minute I had and I went to a coffee shop with my coaching book and it was Excellence in Coaching by um, Jonathan Passmore. Yeah, and I know I was it. just <laughs> sat there having my coffee and this um, gentleman came over to me and he said, oh, what's that book you're reading? And I said, oh, it's, um, it's a coaching book I'm studying to be an executive coach. And he turned around to me and he said, my friend's an executive coach, but he's a managing director. Why would anybody listen to you? And in that moment, mm. I had a real sort of life direction of travel, shall we say. And I mm -hmm. thought I can either listen to this person and say, right, you know, all those initial thoughts I had are true and I shouldn't go down this path. Or I can say, do you know what? One day, hopefully I'll bump into you in a coffee shop again, having been an executive coach and be able to say, actually, no, do you know what? I knew that this was the direction I wanted to go on and I yeah. knew that it was right for me. So I think to, to people listening, just stick with your gut. Like there will be people that say, you know, do you have the experience? But it's not about necessarily your experience. It's about how you approach coaching yeah. and, and how you create that really powerful coachy experience for our clients. Yeah. And uh, thanks for sharing that, because I think that is such a powerful story and it resonates with a lot of people, myself. I mm. still remember when I first started coaching, I was fairly young. I was, I think, 26, mm -hmm. uh, 27. I was quite a young coach as well. And this is quite some time ago. Um, I'm a little bit older than that now. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to admit, but I remember people used to ask me all the time, how old are you? And at the beginning, I used to lie. And I used to say I was 35 or 36. Okay. And they'd look at me and they'd say, oh, oh, okay, I didn't realise. Um, and there was a shift in me at the point where I thought, I need to stop trying to pretend to be mm -hmm. older or mm -hmm. a different person. And, and I still remember the moment where I, I, I started, when people asked me, I would just say my real age. And it was yeah. much more comforting. And, yeah. I, and like you, I thought, well, like modestly, I was like, I'm good at what I do. If, you know, if I'm not the right coach for you, if this partnership is not there, then it's not there. That's how you're yeah. viewing this relationship. And there is sadly this overall kind of more broader understanding of coaching as being a more senior person giving mm. advice or a more junior person, which mm. is which is much more mentoring rather than coaching. And actually, exactly. you know, we've got all different types of coaching, parallel coaching, reverse coaching, yeah. like, and that experience can get in the way of great coaching. Yeah. And, and it's really interesting because I've explored this um, with some of my clients when we mm. sort of finished our, our coaching partnerships. And a few of them have said, actually, I think it's really powerful that you're not a director or you're not an executive because I don't feel that I'm competing with you or you're comparing yeah. your experience to mine in the room. Yeah. I know that you are fully here to serve me as the client. And there isn't that voice in the back of their head saying, oh, well, what did Harriet do when she did this? It is purely there centered on them. And that's not disrespecting anyone that is no. you know, an executive or director at all. It's just different styles and approaches and like you said it works for some clients and it doesn't work for others yeah. but that's the nature of, of coaching anyway so were you already working in leadership at that time to how did you you know become part of that leadership development team and coaching team yeah absolutely so when I started my coaching qualification I was the head of leadership and culture um, for rail infrastructure in the department mm -hmm. for transport and I was I was doing a lot of leadership coaching really without realizing. So I was doing a lot of the facilitation of their strategic board meetings, but also looking at 
where are the team today? Where do they need to be tomorrow? And how do I help them on that journey? But I really wanted the qualification behind me to add the credibility, but also to add to my sort of suite of of tools. I worked on Crossrail, which is now the Elizabeth um, line to the underground network in London for for anyone that doesn't know London um, too well. And I had a really great experience there and where I was heading up their supplier engagement, which was basically working with managing directors and CEOs of all of our key supply chains. And it just gave me great exposure to Mm. individual and team leadership and especially in the infrastructure world, the importance of bringing leaders together to collaborate, to actually make that meaningful difference, which pulls me back to my values and and why it really aligned um, to me in the first place. Yeah, yeah. So you've really held on to your values to support yourself in, in identifying what type of work you want to do, how you want to shape your career. Exactly. And is that part of, I, I know you co-founded the Women and Friends group. Was that in the rail industry? Did that come about from an exploration of your values? Yeah, so probably a bit of both, to be honest. So like I've sort of alluded to, a lot of my career has been spent in the rail industry. So mm. I started my career at TFL. I then went for a company called Arup, which are architecture and engineering. Yeah. Um, moved to Crossrail and most recently um, for the Department of Transport. And within rail, only 16% of the workforce are women. And that decreases to 1% at the C-suite level. Mm. And therefore, for me, what was really important, especially earlier on in my career, was the ability to look up and go, that could be me. And there was a real shortfall of the ability to do that. And as a result, there wasn't the sort of the questions, the corridor conversations around how can we make it possible to challenge this statistic and, and make this change? So alongside my colleague, Hannah Cowig, we set up women and friends to basically create a safe space and a supportive network for women to come together, to have those conversations, but also to see the art of the possible. So we had people like Wendy Morton, who was the rail minister at the time, come and speak to us about her journey. We'd hear from other inspirational women, but also go out on site because typically women in the rail industry are in the sort of the office roles rather than actually experiencing the vast majority of of the workforce that are actually out on the track out at the depots etc so providing women with the the opportunity to see what else is possible was also really really powerful yeah I can hear that in your voice even as you're telling me about it I can I I can even see you get excited about it (laughs) and how was that received really well honestly the buzz that we created in that room is something that I will never forget and is something that I want to carry with me no matter Mm. what role I'm in what company I'm in because I think giving people the power to have a voice in a safe space it's I mean it's like coaching isn't it it's feeling that you're listened to and feeling that you know you can ask the silly question you can suggest the outrageous idea but actually no one's going to judge you we're just going to be there to support you and, and help you on that journey. Yeah, it's very similar to coaching, right? That the idea of you creating the space and seeing what happens within that space. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And what other leadership coaching work have you have you done or are you doing now? Yeah, so I currently work for an organization called Gate One, who, as you said, sort of focus on complex um, transformation programs. And I help to lead their leadership development and coaching service, which essentially derives from the fact that Often in big transformational change programs, we focus on, you know, the digital transformation, the program management, you know, mergers and acquisitions, the marketing. But actually, leaders have such a disproportionate impact on the success of change programs. 
based on how they lead themselves, they -hmm. lead others, and they lead the change. So at Gate One, we operate in a framework, which is leading self, leading others, leading change, to really support leaders as they lead the transformation journeys. From a change perspective, we can't lead change without being influenced from our past experiences, who we are, whether we fundamentally agree with the change, you know, even at the leadership level, it can be done to you. You might not, it might not, you know, be derived from your ideas, et cetera. So part of the role that I do at the moment is working with individuals and teams to really help them navigate that complex transformational change journey. And often with leaders, given the environment that we currently operate in, change is the constant, change is happening every day. And it's a core part of who and how they lead. So whether that's, you know, individual coaching, team coaching, or really embedding myself as part of these um, wider programs, being that support network and that challenging critical friend to leaders to help think about how much is my past influencing, how much I'm leading this change? Do I have the right toolkits to manage myself first? to effectively lead others and how do I create a collective high-performing leadership team because you know often these people are managing you know 5,000 to 30,000 people and there's a lot of people looking up for that guidance and we like really strongly believe that you need to lead yourself first before you can lead others and lead organizations yeah the importance of role modeling those values and attitudes that you want other people to see right okay yeah so what does a, a typical day-to-day look like for you at work? It completely depends. Like I said, we differ from one-to-one team programs. But just yesterday, if I use that example, mm-hmm. um, we were supporting a leadership team of around seven individuals and we just had a 90-minute session. Okay. And when I asked individuals to check into the room, they were nervous, they were overwhelmed, they felt really uncomfortable about the change. It was the first time that we'd come together as a collective leadership group. And what we really focused on is within this change that you're operating in, what excites you, what worries you, and what is everything that's on your mind? Mm-hmm. And then over the next 90 minutes, using really simple tools like you know the circle of influence, control, and concern, helping leaders to really navigate, okay, what can I control and influence? And how do I as an individual need to manage what's in my circle of concern based on my responses, what I need to manage my resilience, how I need to manage myself? So when we have people checking out, they come in with, you know, so much in their mind about all these different complex elements of the change. And then by the time they leave the room, they say, right, these are my clear steps about what I can control. These are my networks that I can influence to help to navigate the change and and steer it in the direction. And actually, do you know what? This really concerns me and it does have an emotional impact on me. But I now know the steps I need to take to manage that, to be able to be that role model that can stand up at a plenary in front of, you know, 10,000 people and really believe in the change that I'm I'm trying to see in the organisation. So there seems to be quite a lot of actual coaching work as part of your day-to-day job is what I'm hearing yeah yeah absolutely and and is that like you mentioned like team coaching is there also one-to-one work how is that balance how does that work for you yeah one-to-one as well so often um gate one partner with you know big change programs so there might be you know 20 people supporting a, a big client but actually we are part of what the leadership development and coaching team do is offer executive coaching to the executives, to the senior leadership team one-to-one. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. Because often navigating and leading change can be really lonely. I mean, I'm sure people on this podcast before have said it's really lonely at the top. And actually, when you're making some of these really challenging decisions, when you're paving the future of the organisation, having that critical friend and that safe space to do that one-to-one coaching with, to sense check your ideas, to make sure that it sticks true to your values, but also the strategic context of the organisation is a really powerful differentiator for how we help clients to actually deliver programmes. And selfishly for me, I love coaching. So it's, Mm. it's sort of the best part of what I do. Did you know that at Become, we offer a number of different coach training programs to people just like you. If you're new to coaching, there is a level one diploma in integrative coaching. If you've been coaching for a while, or perhaps you're already an ACC coach, then we have the advanced diploma in integrative coaching, which leads all the way to the PCC credential by the ICF. We also have a number of CPD programs and certificates, including mentoring and supervision. To find out more, go to tobecome.org or just check the show notes. Tell us a bit about your coaching style, maybe. What sets your coaching style apart, perhaps, from other coaches? Yeah, so it's a bit of an interesting one, and I probably won't answer your question directly in the respect that I'm going to say I don't have one style. The core thing that flows throughout all of my coaching conversations is a very conversational style. And the reason for that is I really want to make sure that my clients feel in a safe, supportive environment. Yes, I will challenge my clients to get to the goals that we're trying to achieve, but actually making sure that we create this conversational approach that feels like a partnership is where I believe the best outcomes can come. I think the other thing that sort of, I guess, differentiates or or tailors my style is I spend a lot of time researching the context in which executives in particular operate. Because I think specifically the exec level, you need to understand their context, their challenges, the culture of the organization that they're working with Mm. to make sure, you know, these people are time poor. So they really need to maximize the benefits of coaching. So how can you ensure that you understand their context and you can bring yourself up to that level so that when you enter that partnership, there isn't that perception that they need to upskill you or educate you within their world, nor have you got that background conversation going on going, what does that mean? I'm not really sure yeah. what they're talking about there. It puts you on the front foot to really having a productive, meaningful conversation. Yeah. So you kind of go into the room already speaking their language, understanding some of the exactly. wider concerns, organisational pressures. Exactly. But I think a key, and this was a massive part of my learning journey, and the, the real important thing that you've got to think about going into the session is understand their context but don't have a guide for where the conversation is going to go because that's where as a coach, mm. we stop operating as a coach. Yeah. So, you know, if I was going, oh, I know this is happening in their environment. I think we should speak about that. No, that's not what we are there to do yeah. as a yeah. coach, but it's having that understanding to help guide them on that journey um, based on the journey that they want to go on in that session. It's so refreshing to hear that because we do get as a coach training provider we we train coaches and we get a lot of questions around um what techniques what models do you use uh, what will you train me on it's quite difficult to explain that new ones that there are the models and techniques but actually holding them too close or mm. just kind of thinking this is what needs to happen in yeah. the coaching session yeah. actually takes you away 
from being the coach. And I think there's a comfort thing early mm-hmm. doors when you're training to be a coach because you have all those thoughts in your head going, you know, am I good at this? Am I serving the client? And having a model that you can stick to provides you with that confidence that it's been done before, it's been written about, I've been taught it. And actually putting the model down can be really scary in the first couple of um, client scenarios that you have because you're on your own. But actually, that's where the most powerful conversation happens, because the client, you're truly actively listening rather than thinking, when can I embed the model or when can I ask this question that I've thought of in advance? It's a really great question. Yeah, yeah. It's similar, I suppose, to I like sometimes thinking about coaching conversations and when they're at best, when there are natural they flow they're simple it's like having a conversation I'm not saying mm. they're exactly the same but yeah. it's like when you're having a, a conversation with a good friend and that yeah. time kind of you kind of think where has the hour gone because you're so in the conversation you're collaborating yeah. working together rather than thinking I've got the next question to ask I need to bring in this model which yeah. then makes it quite clunky exactly so I'm thinking actually in relation to we mentioned new coaches now Mm. Is there any advice that you would like to share with perhaps aspiring coaches and even leaders who who might want to use more coaching in their work or develop as executive coaches? Yeah, of course. So I was reflecting on this in advance and I thought, you know, what would I tell myself if I was starting this journey again? And I think there's there's three things for me. There's learn, listen and learn again. Learn in the first instance is sort of broken up into two parts. So yes, there's learn the models, there's learning how to be a coach, learning, as we said, the difference between coaching and mentoring, really understanding, you know, what is coaching and what does good coaching look like. But really importantly, learn about yourself. So learn who you are, learn your values, learn your approach and and what feels right to you, because that is going to be really prevalent when you start that practical coaching. And that takes me into listen. So the most important thing, I think, when you coach someone is about listening. So actively listening, and this can be verbal and nonverbal, to what they need from that session and tying it back to their goals. So listening to what they need and and responding to that, but just as importantly, listening to yourself. So what is that background conversation that's going on in your mind as you're coaching a client? Or what does your gut say? And try and park it in that session to make sure that it's not influencing the conversation and you're not serving yourself, but then circle back to learn. So then you learn about why did I feel like that in that session? What drove that from my own personal experiences? And learn about yourself to make sure that you've got the right tools and approaches and use supervision to make sure that in that room you are fully present for the client. I think one of the best things about coaching is it's not static. It will always change. You will always be learning. So often, um, you know, you can hear people, and I think there's an article on your website about it, that is coaching is so much more than the grow model. You Mm. can't just learn the grow model and then be a coach. It is constant learning over time about yourself, about others, about what's happening in the field. And I think, as I said, you learn at the beginning, you get your core skills, you listen, you understand how you feel, what's happening with the client, and then you learn again. And I think that is a continuous cycle. So we can never get too comfortable as coaches that we know at all, because I'm a firm believer that that just yeah. will never be the case. 
Yeah. That's so nicely. I've never thought about, about this from that kind of lens of, you know, learn, listen, learn again. But if, if I, your program, Joe. <laughs> it's, 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 it's very much so. As, I, as, as you were talking about it, I thought, well, people go on to the diploma and we learn the different ways of coaching, the ethics of coaching, how mm. to coach. Then we do the individual feedback and mentoring where we're developing your self-awareness. You're listening not just to uh, the client and the sessions, but also to yourself. And we support with that. And then we learn again because there's further mentoring along the road where yeah. you, you where you kind of go back to it and refine and develop yourself and continue that process. So um, I might have to steal that uh, or it. borrow it. <laughs> <laughs> so as we're reaching the end of our podcast today, I'm excited to find out a bit more about your future as well and what kind of goals and aspirations that you have for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's it's a common thread through this whole conversation to me what really rings true and what I really need to align to is making a difference. Mm. And in terms of what that looks like for coaching, where I am at the moment, I want Gate One to be the go-to partner Mm. for coaching through transformational change. I want to be able to influence, you know, FTSE 100 companies to make sure that, you know, let's be honest, the impact that these companies have on society and the way in which we live is huge. So to be able to have a part in leading and helping leaders to actually lead those change programs is a massive ambition of mine to help to be seen as that sort of partner for those organisations. The other big thing is just to keep learning. I love conversations like this. I love meeting other coaches. I like to be, and it goes back to my exposure point at the beginning, I like to be exposed to different ways of thinking, different Mm. approaches. So in terms of what's what's next for Harriet, I'm really conscious, you know, this is, it's just the start. And to be awarded influential, you know, executive coach is amazing. And it has just given me the springboard to go, this is really what I want to do. And this is what I want to continue doing in my career. So continue to have exposure to different people, different clients, hopefully help Gate One to be the partner for, you know, these big transformational change programs that change the way in which we live as as consumers as well and who knows in the future but yeah just really keen to continue this journey and and keep learning and keep speaking to people like you as well I'm sure I'm sure you will I'm sure you will I mean this is just the start it's a celebration of the start exactly Uh, and I and I very much look forward to seeing how you develop in the profession you know um so once again well done and huge celebrations for the award and and thank you for sparing half an hour of your of your time to be to be on the podcast with me no problem um, it's great to be here thanks joe <laughs> thanks harriet <laughs>